At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show custom built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. WebmasterRadio.fm presents CEO Coach. From funding to finance, set up the staffing. Our CEO coaches break down the art of business development from the ground up. Now here to get you started are the experts of online business startup, management, and development. The founders of Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy. Welcome to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are talking about money and the terms around money. It's really great to be talking about this, Jillian. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Ready to dispel some more uh, sniglets and, and get into what they really mean. Well, last week we did some very basic uh, terms around funding, such as deals, deal flow, uh, pre-money, post-money, and all those sorts of things, and the different classes of stock. And you know what? It was just fascinating and so illuminating. I'm glad that we got a chance to do that. Uh, But there's so much more. So I was. let's talk today. Let's start with uh, in what I like to call tribal speak two of the funding (laughs) world, or perhaps son of tribal speak. I don't know. <laughs> or tribal okay. speak returns. So yes, tribal redux. <laughs> yeah, okay. redux. There we are. Tribal redux. All right. So let's get into voting rights and classes of common stock. Absolutely. Um, let's do a quick recap. I think we talked okay. about things like deals and deal flow and shopping deals and so on. And that's basically just companies that want to get funded and and all of that and folks who want to listen to that. Uh, we talked about valuations, both the pre-money and the post-money. Pre-money being what you think your company is worth today and your investor will agree to. Post-money being what it's worth after they put their money down on it and add that to your pre-money. Pretty simple math. We talked about some term sheets and how you use 
them. You get a term sheet from one company at, or venture capitalist, for example, and then you decide to show it to others in an effort to get a better deal. Sometimes you simply use it as negotiating tools and say, I won't shop it around as long as you agree to this. And then you get your price. We talked about things like the series of fundings, a friends and family round, uh, an, a seed funding round, right? an angel round, uh, going on to things like the venture capital rounds where they start calling them series A, B, C, and D, and how much money one might get. And we talked about the toughest uh, window being two to five million. It's just a tough place to be raising money. So if you can raise less, cool. If you can raise much, much more by getting to a later stage in your company, even better. Uh, we talked about exits, you know, that moment where everybody gets their money out. Uh, it could be a sale, could be an IPO, which is an initial public offering in which you get public stock. So those are good ways to get out. Uh, we talked about preferred and common stock and founder shares. And I think that's where we should pick up right now. Um, we talked about a number of things, preferred stock or preferred shares that have this priority and dividend payments. They have a higher pecking order uh, position in the event of the company's demise. They'll get their money out first, and sometimes that means founders get nothing. Um, they also get their money out, if you will, at a multiple of the amount that they invested in if you go public. And sometimes that means founders have to give up more of their shares if they go public at a lower number than expected. So all of those things we discussed, that's cool. What we didn't talk about last week was voting rights, voting rights and classes of common stock. There's a lot of common stock out there, right? And as a matter of fact, even these preferred shares, once they kind of cash out and get that preferred amount of money, everything now reverts into this common stock. So now you've got some stock on the general market. The question is who gets to vote and who doesn't? All right, that's a very important deal. You can choose to issue different classes of common stock. So this isn't different types of shares like preferred or common. This is within common stock, a class of it. And you can give certain investors, board members, company founders, and so on, different amounts of these common stock shares, but they carry different kinds of voting rights. Some have them, some don't, some might carry more weight. You can see the obvious advantages here, right? If you wish, for example, to give stock to somebody who has done something good for the company, but you don't necessarily want them to have voting rights to start messing things up. It gets very complicated every time somebody's got a vote. You can issue non-voting shares. It's a very ordinary or common, sorry for the pun on that one, uh, way to give stock without having voting shares. You can also do things like restrict voting power on shares that initially had it. For example, in the company which I ran um, with Rand Fishkin, right, he and I both had shares which voted. That was fine. But in the event of the demise of either of us, our heirs would get the value of our shares but no voting rights. Immediately, our voting rights revert to the, uh, the one of us so that we maintain a single voting block and we still have voting power within the corporation. In a very small private company, if you have co-founders like that, be they related or not, right? it's a really good idea to consider what will you do in the event of the demise or dissolution of a marriage or anything like that? What would happen to the value of the shares? Perhaps the money will go with an ex-spouse or an heir or something like that, but you don't necessarily want the votes to go with them. Okay, 
let's talk about let's see dilution. what do you want to talk about dilution. you want to talk about dilution huh yeah because right. you were you were we, we you were just talking about generally uh ways that you uh 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 protect yourself to maintain control of your company now wow. uh, it seems to me that a very logical segue is into dilution as Makes i understand sense. it Okay, so let's let's do an example of what dilution looks like. Let's suppose you start your company with only 10,000 shares of stock. I don't necessarily recommend that, but we can get into that another day. So let's say you just had 10,000 shares of stock. You've got it nicely divvied up. You take on a new investor. This new investor gets a 20% share of your company for some investment. Cool. Now, what you do is issue additional stock. You sort out the percentages so that everybody is going to own, uh, you know, basically whatever they owned before. You're not actually taking stock away from anybody else, but they all have to own the correct percentages now, right? You simply add more shares. This dilutes the value of each share that's out there. So instead of 10,000, for example, now there are like 13 or 15,000 shares. So you own a smaller percentage of the share in the company, right? If you used to have only 10,000 shares and you owned 1,000, you had 10%. But if you've now got 15,000 shares in the company, you own less than 10% if you still own that 1,000 shares. You have been diluted. On the flip side... Your shares are probably worth more money per piece, even after the funding, right, immediately. And they're certainly going to be worth more, you hope, now that you get to grow the company or do whatever it was you were going to do just as soon as you had some capital to do it. That's why you raised money. So dilution is not necessarily a bad thing, but it does dilute the percentage of the company which you own uh, shares in. So think about that. As a founder, you begin with... 100% of your shares. There's just one of you, no co-founders, nothing. Then you take on an investor. Now you have 80% and your investor has 20%. And then you begin diluting with more investments in series B and C and who knows. By the time you're done, you may have 2 or 3 or 10% of your company. That may be great in terms of, you know, money. 10% of, you know, I don't know, eBay's money wouldn't be too bad, would it? But No, but it's still only 10%. (laughs) Right. Well, the problem is 10% for voting rights. And that's why you have voting shares and non-voting shares or multiple value of the vote of a particular share, those kinds of things. So you want to make sure that as you go, you have sorted out maintaining control of your corporation without necessarily eschewing, taking in the funding that is required to make it worth a fortune. I would, certainly, I would have been thrilled to have started with 100% of an eBay idea and ended up with 10% of eBay. Fabulous. But I have to be very careful as to how I get the voting rights, how the board of directors is put together and so on, and how I get to control the corporation or not over time. All right. So dilution, it's not just about the number of shares you own. It's about the percentage of the company you've got and about where the voting rights to those percentages will go to give you control or take it from you over time. All right. We should talk about taxes, Anne. Oh, I knew that you were going to get to that. Yeah, let's talk about taxes. Do we have enough time here or do we need to take a break? I think we need to take a break and so we can all take a deep breath before we talk about taxes. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> let's take a break here at CEO Coach. This is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy. We'll be right back. 
More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Before you painstakingly create another label or drag yourself to the post office, set a course to ShipStation, your key to e-commerce shipping nirvana. Save time by easily importing orders from wherever you sell, like Amazon, eBay, and over 40 others. Save money with discounted USPS rates and a free USPS account. Automate manual tasks through bulk label and invoice printing, custom shipping rules, and much more. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are discussing the tribal speak of the funding world in terms that you absolutely have to know as you start up a business or grow your business or go, especially when you go to seek funding. So Jillian, just before the break, um, you brought up the uh, uh, sometimes ugly term taxes. So let's talk about Mm -hmm. taxes as they relate to funding your company. Absolutely. Okay. So recently you took, for example, an 83B election. That's B as in boy, right? I sure did. Absolutely. Okay. And you felt that it would be advantageous for you to do it. I did. And I I felt it was advantageous because I was uh, granted the stock in a company, one of our portfolio companies that I was an advisor of. And um, the stock was at a a very, very uh, low price to me. And so I wanted to pay the taxes on it now. All right. So that's what it's all about. 83B as in boy election. If you're in the United States and you receive um, uh, stock or stock options even, you should be checking out the 83B election. So if you're an employee who gets stock, stock options, or you are perhaps an advisor to a company as Ann Kennedy was here, right? Check that out. All right. The... This is 
kind of another moment at which the IRS can get some money out from uh, investors and so on besides the time when they might cash in their stock at, say, an IPO or a sale, right? This is another moment at which the, IP, uh, the IRS gets money. An 83B election is useful to employees and to other people who might not be given stock but rather stock options or warrants or perhaps they get stock vested over time as well. So number of different situations where you can make use of this. In this case, in the U.S., remember, only U.S. uh, focused now, the person taking the 83B election pays tax on the value of the stock as of the day they receive it, and whether that's options, warrants, etc. So you pay the tax at the end of the year in which they received that tax. So for example, I made this arrangement to sit on a board of advisors, which is what Anne did, right? She's given, say, a thousand shares of stock for her service over a period of three or four years by some startup. Cool. So she takes this 83B election and she paid the tax on the value of, I don't know, 4,000 shares, 5,000 shares, whatever it was you got, right? So, right. Okay. So they are valued for our example here at 50 cents a share. If you paid on the receipt of 4,000 of these shares at 50 cents each, the value of those shares of stock was 2,000 bucks. 50 cents times 4,000, 2,000 bucks. So when you cash out in the future, you've already paid tax on that stock. That's amazing. It is amazing. Absolutely amazing. And and I do believe you kind of got bit by that monster the other way around by not having an 83B election many years ago. I sure did, and it hurt. <laughs> yes, it did. Because it was painful. If, right, because here's what happened. Because you did not pay the tax on the stock in the year that you received it, you paid tax on the stock in the year in which you uh, sold it. And you did so by saying you've kind of received the stock in that year that you sold it. Right, You kind of held on. You had all of these options sitting there. You didn't exercise the option until, say, day one. And by day one or two, you now also sold it. Therefore, it was a short-term capital gain. You hadn't held it for a year. In truth, you'd held on to the darn thing for many years. But because you had not taken that 83B election that says, oh, I'm receiving the stock today, hello, and whether or not I choose to exercise the option to this, that, I'm going to pay you some money. It might never make me any money. I'm willing to take the bet. So if you have stock in a company that you have a fair shot you're going to make some money on, then you make the bet. You pay the IRS today even though you have not made a dollar on it. Right, so it actually costs you out-of-pocket money to do so, and then you've just got paper sitting around there. And someday you hope you will exercise this option for, I don't know, a buck and sell it for 50 bucks, right? But it's long-term capital gains that you will pay now, not short-term. The Which difference, is vastly different. Yes, it is. The difference is huge. Today, in 2014, as of the taping of this show, it's 23.8%. 20% for long-term capital gains. Used to be 15. It was better, but mm, now it's 20%. And another 38 for essentially funding the, the health care uh, issues and so on. Mm-hmm. So that's the entire portion that you'll pay. If you pay it as income, ordinary income, which is short-term capital gains, it could be as much as 35, 40 or more. 
Yep. Could and, be uh, a lot more money, right? That was so painful. I'm, wasn't I'm it? officially in the uh, the uh, uh, sadder but wiser category of that one, and I wish I knew then what I know now. There you go. Right. So, um, choosing to make that uh, uh, election, you do so based on kind of being a betting person. You got to bet. You have to decide whether or not you wish to pay a lower tax in the future and you think that's what will happen or whether you will pay a higher tax if and when the darn thing ever comes to fruition. Uh, So, you just make your choices on that one. Now, folks who really do well, of course, are those who have an option, right? So, what are these options? How do employees get it? Options are not stock. All right, there are options, there are warrants, and then there's stock. Stock is stuff that is negotiable. You can simply sell it. And uh, option, well, no, that's not true. Sometimes you can't sell stock because there's no market for it, right? You have to go public or <laughs> but in find theory. a private bio. And so, right, kind of theory, right? General theory. Yeah. Okay. An option says, no, you don't really own stock yet. You actually have to buy it. But what we're giving you is the ability or the, quote, option, hence the name, to purchase a stock for a price that we've set today. So we're going to say the price of our stock today is worth a buck share, Cool. Now, you don't have to buy it today. You simply hang on to your option. You can buy it in the future. And in the future, you can pick it up when we do go public or when we do have a sale or whatever it is. You pay us a buck for every share and you will be able to sell it for whatever we're going to sell it for. Then it could be 10 bucks a share. It could be 100 bucks a share. You could make lots and lots of money. That's where you think about that 83B election again, right? So do you decide what you're going to pay in taxes on it and so on? But um, your option means you must purchase the stock from the company. You're simply going to purchase it for a low amount, and then you'll make a decision as to whether or not you wish to exercise it. Warrants are a slight play on that. And because warrants are those bits and pieces that are the realm of attorneys, I say we let John Meyer, who is an excellent uh, startup corporate attorney, um, who is a sometimes guest on our show, I'm going to say we're going to let him talk about those things particularly. Right? So we're going to have him come talk about warrants but now you understand that sounds good right so i've got that but so what do we do about setting up as an owner company owner setting up options pools Right. So we've got about a minute left before we need to take a break here or two minutes left before we need to take a break here at ceo coach so in two minutes an option pool is set up in order to give employees options right so here's how it works you got a whole bunch of stock let's say you've got your 10,000 shares now you own all 10,000 shares you're a single founder sometime along the way you're going to get yourself an investor and the investor says all right I'm going to invest some amount of money and I will take 2,000 shares I will take 20% of the company of the uh, 10,000 that you have now you take only 8,000 shares, they take the 2,000 shares. It is a non-dilutive event. In other words, they haven't added shares to the company to make it happen. But they also say, not only do we want to now divvy up the shares that way, uh, we want you not to have 80%. We want you to take another 20% of the shares, another, uh, what is it, 200,000, and set them aside for key employees, or maybe every employee, whatever, as an option pool. Many venture capitalists, I don't know about angel groups really they don't tend to get into option pools but many venture capital groups would like you to have an option pool of somewhere between about 20 to 25 percent 
22% for some reason seems to be that sweet number. I keep hearing it again and again. doesn't mean it's common everywhere, but it seems to be around my circles. So they would like you to have this pool set aside. It means at the moment those are unassigned until you've given away something from this pool of stock to an employee. So you hire your first key employee. You've hired a CTO, right? And you give that guy some money. And then you hire your CMO and you give that gal some money. Then you hire your, I don't know, executive officer and so on. You give that gal even more money uh, and so on. But you've also given them stock. Each one of them gets stock options. Now the pool is being depleted. The options now belong to those individuals. They are no longer in the option pool. An option pool is unassigned. It does not mean the amount of of stock options you've given to people already. It means what you could give to people. Now, what happens if you go public or make a sale and there is still uh, uh, stock options or stock sitting in the option pool? It has not been assigned. Let's take that up after the break because it sounds like it's a really hot topic. Um, This is Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music at CEO Coach. We'll be right back. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. BubbleFast burst onto the e-commerce scene as a family-owned shipping supply provider back in 1999. The product line has grown, but Mark and Robin still own and operate BubbleFast as a family business. Being sellers themselves has taught them what online sellers need to safely and affordably deliver their products to their customers. BubbleFast is proud to be an active member of the community of online sellers. Mark and Robin sponsor seller meetup groups, share shipping tips and tricks through social media, and always love talking to customers and helping solve shipping challenges. Check out the website at BubbleFast.com. Sign up for the Bubble Briefs newsletter to join the Bubble Fast family. Use promo code WMR to get a 5% discount. Or call Mark and Robin at 877-599-7447. Happy shipping from Mark and Robin at Bubble Fast. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music. We are talking about options and option pools and how to set this up for your startup company. Uh, 
Go on, Jillian. It's fascinating. Okay. All right. So again, an option pool is the amount of stock that's sitting in a pool set aside to give away to employees or others, right? It's not being given away. If you go public and there's still stock sitting in the option pool, it gets divvied up by percentage to everybody who is invested in the company. It includes yourself if you've got stock in there, of course. It includes your VC investor. It includes perhaps even those who have stock who have invested at different times. All of that's fine, but what it says, it, it kind of uh, shrivels away that option pool, right? Uh, you, you've got, I don't know, say 10% still sitting in there. That 10% would have been yours if you had had a smaller option pool and you didn't make the option pool so big when you first made your agreement with a venture capital company. So here's kind of that tip, if you will. As you are thinking about option pools, yes, it's nice to have a nice large option pool so that you can give away these bits of stock for key employees as you need them. It's also nice to have a very small option pool. In the event that you go public or get purchased early or whatever, that money is yours. Right? You haven't shared it, if you will, with your major investor, either a major angel group or a VC. So there's a balance there. If the pool is too small, right, you have none at all, then every time an employee comes on, you're probably going to have to give them some of your stock. If you're okay with this, you know, frittering it out bit by bit, that's fine. But a venture capital uh, investment firm is unlikely to be comfortable with that. Right? It's a little ad hoc, and they like things to be more formalized. So create some kind of an option pool. I chose to create one that was very small, around 8%. And when needed, additional stock came from my co-founder and myself into the option pool to recapitalize the option pool or to give more stock to it. That's what recapitalization of anything means, give more to it. Right? So that's what we chose to do. But the mindset of the people who must give it, the comfort level they have with parting with things they own, including and especially money and that's represented by stock and so on, this is a big issue. If you have comfort levels around it and you're kind of easygoing that way, cool. If not to set up a larger option pool. If yes and you're comfortable, set up a smaller one. In the event that you go public early or sell early, you get more of the funds. You don't share them as much. All right. Let's so talk this is quickly. making me think about Goldilocks and the three bears. You want to make it just right. Exactly. Just right. Finding that sweet spot. So, yeah, I'm not really counseling one or the other. It has to do with your own mentalities and those of your colleagues. So think about that. Quickly, before we have to end, let's try to get in things like the definitions of things like crowdfunding, crowdsourcing capital, accredited investors, and non-accredited investors. We have a wonderful show coming up with um, uh, John Meyer. Yes, John Meyer, right, who will discuss a number of these issues and went into this kind of deeply. But very quickly, so you're prepped for that show, crowdsourcing capital – That means getting donations to build your company. Places like Indiegogo and Kickstarter and similar kinds of things, right? These are online sources where you tell people about your brilliant idea and you want to make a one of those and they all think it's a good idea too and they're going to throw some money on the table. They're kind of buying product or whatever in advance or they're supporting a vision that you have to build something wonderful, but they aren't taking any stock from your company. They simply gave you a donation, said, sure, do it. And they're hoping that their thank you gift is going to be the thing that you're promising them. But they know it's possible that it will never be built. You're giving it your best shot. All right. That's crowdsourcing capital. 
crowdfunding is different. That's giving away stock in exchange for investment, and it's doing so from a very large group of people. John Meyer is going to talk about the pros and cons of this one in one of our upcoming shows. So listen carefully for that. Again, crowdfunding is giving away stock, and it's doing so in ways in which we have never done it before, not only from accredited investors but non-accredited. An accredited investor is somebody who qualifies under law, not just some idea, law, under U.S. law, as being someone qualified to give you money in exchange for stock. And essentially, the government was trying to say, you can't take this from people where you're taking away the rent money. Right? They must have enough money, enough funds of their own. And I'm going to let John again define what that is in terms of amount of money, investment experience, all kinds of things, so that you're not taking money, if you will, either from fools or from babes in the woods, people who don't know what they're doing here. That would be awful. A non-accredited investor is just that babe in the woods, somebody who does not have sufficient funds to be able to risk an investment in a very high-risk venture, as sure as you are that your company is going to succeed and make everybody billions of dollars or even just hundreds of thousands, right? you are not as sure as you think you are. That's what our government protects us against, and they protect non-accredited investors from putting down money that they need for their children's education, their rent, and their retirement to very high-risk ventures such as our companies. So we've got John Meyer coming in next week, Jillian to explain this in greater detail. He's a securities lawyer from Seattle um, and extremely knowledgeable, and I know that our our listeners will enjoy hearing everything he has to say and that he will set them on the straight and narrow about how to do this. Where are the pitfalls? Um, Absolutely. Brilliant. Take us home. Crowdfunding and crowdsourcing. (laughs) Yes. Take us home, Jillian. You bet. You, we hope you'll stop by our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash CEO Coach Podcast. Uh, ask your questions there. Check out links to resources. When we do have guests, we will link to them as well. You can download these shows through webmasterradio.fm, through iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and so many other places around the web. Until next week, this is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy at CEO Coach. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 
91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.